This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception, Perception of the Show. All right, Matt. Uh, we were talking about rookies, or I guess incoming rookies, a lot. Um, and now that we've got the draft behind us, well, I tell you, this is my favorite time of the year. Uh, when you start talking about second-year wide receivers, wide receivers that got done with their rookie campaign, um, and the findings uh, that you lay out here um, on some of these profiles, man, r- really eye-opening stuff. Um, and I think this is the, if anyone's out there wondering about reception perception, this is the time uh, that you need to go to the site and check it out. Because a big part of what Matt does is trying to sift through the BS. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> Matt? <laughs> and there is no more, they, there's just such a giant pile of BS when we were talking about rookie wide receivers and you kind of sort of parse through all of that um, and, and give us what the reality says uh, about the charting and all that kind of stuff, man. But, uh, but four receivers we're going to talk about today, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, Drake London and Sky Moore. But Matt, this is my favorite time of the year, especially for, for this particular product reception perception. Yeah. I, I said it on, on Twitter as well. This is my favorite group to put out every single year. Um, for a lot of different reasons. Number one, I think this is really where some of the biggest like hits have come from in, in like RP history, oh, right? Yeah. Like Allen Robinson's rookie year really showed us he was destined for that breakout second season. You know, Stefan Diggs rookie season was I, I think way better than than consensus, right? For it for reception perception. You know, Tyler Lockett, like Ayuk flashed mm-hmm. as the second year receiver. And of course, like Lockett and Ayuk, like it took a little bit, but you know, like these are really where we where we find, I think, where look, because here's the deal, James. Like as much as people love, and based on, I mean, shout out to the shout out to the new subscribers. Based on the new subscribers, people really love rookie content uh, <laughs> for reception <laughs> perception. They they love the rookies and seeing the route they charts do. and everything with with the with the collegiate data. But I think you learn infinitely more. Um, about players in their rookie years than you can learn in three years, four years, two years, whatever in college football. So like, it's important. It's so important. and so crucial. This, this, the, what these guys were as rookies and putting out these second year profiles uh, for these guys in reception perception. I mean, and I think you mentioned the BS, like there are still, and I think this is what reception perception should challenge you most to do is like, what priors do you need adjusted? Because there are people mm. willing to die on the hill for what they thought guys were as prospects based on what they looked like on the field in college right. uh, versus what they looked like in year one in the NFL. So, um, and I know there are other, like, there are other studies out there about, you know, like face planters in the rookie year and guys like, well, if they don't hit this statistical threshold, um, they won't be good players in the long term or the odds that they are good players in the long term, you know, really decreases and stuff like that. But again, this is where I think reception perception is valuable because it's like, 
What were they actually doing as individual players on the field? Michael Pittman's a great example. He fell below some of those like thresholds in his rookie season for production, or he didn't, you know, earn targets as a rookie and stuff like that. But when you look at his recession perception data from year one, it's like, no, there are still real good indicators that this guy can be a good player. And he went out and caught over 80 balls and, you know, over a thousand yards with damn Carson Wentz in his second year. So, um, yeah, I think, I think these profiles are absolutely my favorite for all the reasons that you mentioned. Yeah, man. Hey, listen, like I said, it, it, the, the, the myth-making of some rookies um, too, right? It gets a little out of control, right? And then again, you talk about oh, the yeah. priors. It's like, you know, uh, oh, oh, well, this guy was a high prospect. And so, you know, if he doesn't do what I'm telling you, he's going to break out. And, you know, and, and again, the RP data, uh, sometimes it, it, it confirms those biases and other times it, it flies right in the face of it, right? I, I wanted to talk about these four guys, Dotson, Pickens, London, and more. Um, and, and Dotson and Pickens in particular, I think, um, they're real needle movers. You know what I'm saying? People have some real strong feelings uh, about Jahan Dotson's game. 12 games he played as a rookie, caught 35 balls out of 61 targets, just a 57% com- uh, uh, completion rate when throwing to Jahan Dotson. 523 yards, seven touchdowns. Now you look at the baseline numbers, Matt, not a lot to get excited about, but boy, I tell you what, uh, some of the numbers that you found, uh, they, they, they look pretty promising. Yeah. I think, um, he was a prospect that reception perception really liked, you know, I, I named him as the best zone beating receiver in the class last year, uh, mm-hmm. the, the 2022 class. He had the best hands in the class. I, I graded him really highly. And you know, when he, uh, <laughs> when he went in the first round ahead of Traylon Burks, he went in 16th overall, you know, and people definitely, people will forget that like that was a really controversial move theoretically at the time. People panned that pick. Um, It is kind of funny with uh, Jahan Dotson that like you think, Oh, the stats aren't that impressive, but people are all gassed up about Christian Watson who caught 41 passes for 611 yards and seven touchdowns (laughs) with Aaron Rodgers Uh as his quarterback uh, in correct, you know, in a, in a, and he didn't play, he didn't play the entire season either. And Jahan Dotson, Dotson, 35 catches, 523 yards and seven touchdowns in in not playing a full season either with, you know, Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz and the boys. So um, I I think Dotson's rookie season on paper was really impressive. But uh, yeah, his his reception perception is indeed awesome. And I think, you know, people still are sort of carrying on those priors of him not being like a good prospect or whatever. And like, I just don't think on on film he ever showed really any of these weaknesses. And yeah, his rookie season uh, data is really good. I mean, uh, especially from just an overall solid perspective, you know, 60th percentile success rate versus man, 64th percentile success rate versus zone. Um, and he was running a lot of downfield routes, dude. Like you look at his route percentage chart, his mm-hmm. two routes that he ran below the NFL average were the flat and the slant. 23% nine routes, 12.8% post routes, 6.6% corner routes. Like they really tried to get him going from a downfield receiver perspective. So some of those success rates, why they don't initially pop off is like, you know, very good or like great or anything. Like the fact he's running those downfield routes and by the way, he's running them extremely well is really impressive. Only one route did he go below the NFL average success rate. So he almost has like the full green route tree that that we love to see and share on social media and stuff. And I thought it was interesting too, you know, Dotson I thought is a guy that might be best suited to be like a primary slot receiver. But he was really better outside than um, hmm. than I thought as a rookie. 78.9% success rate versus press. That's the 87th percentile. Yeah, so he's just such a like whether he ever becomes like a number one receiver, I, I don't know. Also don't really care because he plays with a true, true alpha and Terry McLaurin. Um, right. He's just a great starting receiver, I think, at this point. And I, I think his rookie season is going a little under the radar for how good he was. Um, you know, I said this on in the profile. I, I kind of hinted at it on Twitter. Um I went and looked at like a bunch of dynasty rankings uh, after doing some of these like second year profiles. And, you know, he's in almost all of them. He's behind all three of Traylon Burks, Christian Watson and George Pickens. And straight up Dotson is a better. That's troubling because Dotson's a better football player than all three of those guys <laughs> right now. I know like okay. Watson, I think d- definitely has a higher theoretical ceiling. I still right now I'm, I reserve the right to change this. I still right now have Watson a little higher from a dynasty perspective, but 
I mean, he's just better than those three dudes at playing the wide receiver position right now. Straight up, straight up. Well, and again, we talk about this all the time. This particular show, Matt, really straddles that line between real real football and fantasy football. Uh, And then when you start talking about dynasty rankings, it's a little bit weird, right? Because like, yeah, a guy could be a better football player, but opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah, like when you talk, start sure. talking about fantasy football, it's all about, okay, well, what's the opportunity uh, laid out in front of Jahan Dotson? And as you mentioned, Terry McLaurin uh, is the true alpha. Can I throw this out there to you? Let me ask you this, okay? Um, a lot of folks right now, I don't want to say a lot of folks, but I have seen a little bit of a groundswell that Dotson is the true one and Terry McLaurin is going to be the two in 2023. I couldn't disagree more. Um, but because I, I just feel like what Terry McLaurin does is he's a full field can operate anywhere and, and he's great everywhere. Um, so that would be my contention, but what do you think of folks who, again, online just, you know, maybe they're just hot taking it just a hot take it. Uh, but maybe thinking that Dotson might supplant Terry McLaurin as the alpha receiver, uh, in the Washington commanders receiver room. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Uh, you know, I, okay. I love Terry McLaurin's game. Um, you know, I, I fully maintain that Terry McLaurin as an individual player is an elite NFL receiver. Like, I do not care about his stats because he's played with some of the, you know, biggest jokes at the quarterback position and oh, ODU's bad. finest Taylor Heineke. Uh, but some some <laughs> real, real dust at the quarterback position. Yeah. You know, um, Carson Wentz notoriously can't really figure out how to – you know, run a real NFL offense or get the ball to like his you know, consistent top targets. He was kind of scatterbrained. And I look, I love Curtis Samuel, but he was like locking in on Curtis Samuel, you know, on the little short dump off stuff to start the yep. season. Or, I mean, rifling the ball to our boy Deshaun Watson or uh, Jahan Dotson way down the field, right? In like tight coverage. That's another thing that's still crazy about Dotson's game is how good he is in contested situations. But, you know, who's also good in contested situations, Terry McLaurin. You know, who's also right. a better separator versus press man coverage. Um, as good as, Dotson's numbers are it's still Terry McLaurin yeah I I mean I think McLaurin (laughs) is like I I do want to put real NFL receiver rankings on the site before the summer ends um and I think McLaurin will probably be like a top he like a fringe top 10 receiver in the NFL and as good as I think Dotson is he's definitely not there yet but he could be one of the best I think number two receivers in the NFL uh this season Jahan Dotson Reading some of your numbers here, right? Like you look at the his percentile scores or success rate versus man, just a shade under 70% success rate versus man, 80% success rate uh, versus zone coverage. And again, percentile wise, 60th percentile versus man, 64th percentile versus zone. And I think if you were to just look at that raw, those raw numbers there and say, okay, well, that's not that impressive. Now I get it. Now, you mentioned the fact that this man runs a lot of deep routes, which is true. Uh, when you combine the corner nine and post just almost nearly 45% of his routes uh, were on the corner nine and post. That's, Nuts. that's outrageous. That is, that's <laughs> outrageous for his size. Like if you think about um, what this man does. Right. So, uh, I love his catch rate is he's got meat hooks, uh, for, for hands, you know, the contested catch rate makes a lot of sense there. Um, but man, it just, they're going to have to figure out a different way, I think to utilize dots. And, and I'm, I'm curious because I love Terry McLaurin. And I think the reason I think he's so good, uh, Matt is because man, this man dominates in the intermediate area of the field. And that to me, when you ask me the NFL game, that's if you win there in the intermediate area of the field, that's when you dominate. It's tough to win deep downfield because, you know, especially recently cover two is taking that away. And so many teams are running cover two now, but man, the intermediate area of the field that has always been, I don't care how far back you go. Um, but the NFL, you know, when you talk about the best wide receivers in the NFL, they always win in that intermediate area of the field. And I think that's where Terry McLaurin's pretty special. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, the, the intermediate routes, the digs, uh, the outs and stuff like that. I mean, Dotson is very good too, especially on routes that call you to, to break back to the quarterback, 86.7% success rate versus curls, 94.1% uh, on comeback routes. Crazy. That's crazy. Just bananas considering that crazy, those crazy. are routes he ran at a pretty high rate too. So, but yeah, look, you'll never hear me say a bad word about Terry McLaurin. The dude is an absolute stud. Uh, so I think the real take here is though, James, like, 
Oh man, Washington is set up. If if Jacoby Brissett can play, you know, quarterback at the level that he played just last year yeah. with the Cleveland Browns on an offense, which by the way has a worse number one in Amari Cooper than like Terry McLaurin is a, 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 every day of the week a better player uh, okay. than than Amari Cooper and twice on Sunday he's be- they got a better number one. You know, DPJ was the number two receiver in Cleveland last year. Um, Jahan Dotson is better than him. You know, they have Curtis Samuel who's still really good. Um, that wide receiver trio is quietly, I think, among some of the best and most talented in the league. If Jacoby Brissett can give them, you know, when last year when he was 12th in EPA per dropback, uh, when he started for the Cleveland Browns, or Sam Howell, the legend of Sam Howell actually becomes the reality of <laughs> Sam Howell. Okay. Like Washington we'll is see. set up to have a we'll really, see. really good offense, especially I, I do I liked Scott Turner's passing game designs. I think it's interesting that he's the passing game like or he's working on the pass game, whether he's a pass game coordinator or designer, whatever in um, Las Vegas now with the Raiders, he's right. got good ideas. The sequencing was always kind of problematic. I do think you're, they're probably getting an offensive coordinator upgrade in Eric B And I'm interested to see how these guys all fit into that offense. But yeah, man, this receiver course kind of set up to fly. If they can just get like average up slightly above average quarterback play. I liked what I saw from Sam Howell, and, and but but again, sometimes when we see these backup quarterbacks, uh, if if Sam Howell is a true backup, uh, what I'm saying is they play well in spurts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes their game gets a little bit exposed the longer they're out there. I don't know. We'll see what Sam Howell is. I, I thought he certainly showed some traits, though, uh, that are very interesting. And as you mentioned, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, if he wins the camp battle uh, from Sam Howell to kind of be that uh, the starter, then, you know, I, I think he is. Listen, if you go back and you listen to anything I've said about Jacoby Brissett, I, I've I've said for a long time, I think he is wildly underrated, you know. Um, but that being said, Kevin Stefanski, I thought, did a really good job uh, game yeah. planning around Jacoby Brissett's limitations and what he does well, uh, what he can do well is he can fire a good deep ball, man. Um, and, and I tell you what, when you got play action, like they got in Cleveland, that's going to, that's going to help set you up pretty good. Uh, will they have that in Washington? Is that going to be part of Eric B game plan? I don't think so. Not, I mean, tell me when was the last time you saw good play action in Kansas city. You know what I mean? It just doesn't happen that often. Um, so I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see, if that's something that uh, they work into that Washington offense, but you're right, man, you look at the pass catchers, Terry McLaurin, Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, a a good pass catching tight end. Uh, This is again, as you mentioned, set up to be, you know, a pretty good situation. Antonio Gibson's a great pass catching runner. He's a converted wide receiver for God's sakes, you know? So (laughs) I mean, they're set up, I think to, um, to throw this ball around. So we'll see. We'll see, man. So it's an interesting setup there in Washington. Can Jahan Dotson? I'll ask you, Matt. Can Dotson make that? You know that 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 we used to call it the third year leap, but now more and more often it's that second year leap. Can Dotson make that second year leap? I think so. You know, and some of the pushback you'll get to hyping up Jahan Dotson, you know, is like his yards per route run and, and targets per route run and stuff like that. Well, again, that stuff all takes in the quarterback variable. You know, like right. let me, receivers like don't just pull yards out of their ass. You know, they got to get them <laughs> some from somewhere. Right. Targets Correct. don't just Correct. fall out of the sky. Yeah, uh, right. they, they have to they have to get there somehow. They have to be um, delivered in some fashion. And usually uh, they're going to have to have a quarterback to do it. So really, it just comes down to quarterback play from like a statistical yeah. standpoint, because I think from an on field individual standpoint, like Dotson is just such a good route runner and such a good refined technician. Um, and this is the again, this is not a surprise. This is the player he was at Penn State. He showed that he could win downfield. He showed that he could um, you know, get separation versus man and zone coverage at the collegiate level. And he showed he could win off target passes playing with, you know, now Packers quarterback Sean Clifford, apparently taking hmm. over Aaron Rodgers locker room in Green Bay. What a what a twist. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, he he was always a really good player. And I I, I think, again, Maybe this profile catches people by surprise on the site. Maybe the route chart catches people by surprise or, or the way he played as a rookie. It doesn't catch me by surprise because this is who he was as a, as a collegiate player. So I think he's already taken that jump in terms of being okay. a very, very good starting number two receiver. Um, now, could he become like a 1B receiver to Terry McLaurin's 1A? You know, could he be the Devontae Smith to A.J. Brown? Could he be the T. Higgins to Jamar Chase? You know, and – 
I know it sounds crazy for me to put Terry McLaurin in that bucket, but that is really how highly I think of him as a player. Um, even maybe maybe one tier down from from the elite guys, I, I maybe, but I, yeah, I think he definitely has the talent to be that type of player. That's for sure. Um, all right, so that's uh, Washington's pass catchers, and again, I'll, I'll be fully transparent. I certainly was very surprised to see that much green <laughs> um, on his route tree. Man, uh, for sure, caught me by surprise. Um, I mean, I liked him decently as a prospect, and I know he made a lot of splash plays. You know, the seven touchdowns in just twelve games certainly would tell you that. Uh, but I wasn't sure how often he was consistently getting open. And boy, I tell you, man, lo- looking at that route tree and all that green on the table, uh, that certainly did catch me by surprise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This is Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. George Pickens is a player for Pittsburgh that um, you you have gone a little bit against the grain with on George Pickens because I, I think you're one of the very few people that are not totally, totally enamored with Pickens' game. Um, I think I'm correct in saying that, but 17 games for, for the rookie, 52 catches on 84 targets, so 62% catch rate um, from Kenny Pickett, 801 yards, four touchdowns, and boy, I tell you, he had some serious highlights um, <laughs> as well to George Pickens, but what did your, your findings tell you about uh, the rookie wide receiver out of Pittsburgh? Yeah, you mentioned myth making up top. Um, yes, I, I, and uh, I, I think you talk about the highlight reel catches. I think that no player, per- perhaps no wide receiver in the NFL right now, is more overrated based on myth making and highlight bias than George Pickens. And I don't say that to tell you that like George Pickens stinks or anything like that. I, I think he's Correct. actually got a lot of promise as as a starting level receiver, but let me explain kind of what I'm saying there. And that like the myth making, you know, if you, if you followed the draft process with George Pickens, like, or you followed, he followed his college career. It's like, Oh, this guy went to Georgia and he was going to be even better than AJ green. You know, his freshman season showed you, he was going to be even better than AJ green. And, you know, then he kind of ran into some, some personality troubles or some, some trouble with the coaching staff. He also, you know, got injured towards ACL and it's like, ah, yeah, but if he had just, if none of that had happened, he would have been as good as AJ green. He was going to be as good as, but it's like, but he never was right. Like his career went askew. (laughs) Okay. So that, Uh but I think that like, and then when you see him make those insane catches, I mean, dude, even back to like training camp, the the insane catches were all over the timeline. And then he does it in the NFL that contributes sort of to the myth making of the player and then of course highlight bias because i mean i've heard real big boy nfl analysts big boy, big boy and big girl nfl analysts say like oh yeah this guy has like superstar talent it's like okay he can make superstar catches but there's more to playing the re- receiver position than you know once every 3 games making some catch that makes your eyeballs want to pop out of your head and i think mm-hmm. that's really where george pickens struggles cuz I think when you look back at his collegiate profile, it's actually, again, pretty similar to the year one data where he does truly, you know, he, he looks like a throwback classic type of X receiver prospect. And, oh, yeah. You know, th- oh, that's yeah. why so many like old school NFL evaluators certainly would love the George Pickens prototype. You know, he lines up as a rookie in his reception perception sample on the outside on 83% of his snaps was on the line for 70.4%. You know, Deontay Johnson's like a, He's played X receiver in the NFL from a body type standpoint. He probably makes more sense as a flanker and 
Pickens makes more sense than X. So they kind of rotated those guys a little bit. But look, the the what you can't get around with George Pickens is that there are separation issues here. Um, 64.9% success rate versus man. That's a 34th percentile mark. Really, and I, I don't know how else to call it, but bad and concerning is the 68.3% success rate versus zone. That's a fifth percentile mark. Um, it's it's tough to go back into the historical databases and find a lot of like high-end success stories from guys that did that like finish that low as, as rookie receivers, you know, there's people always bring up the Devonte Adams outlier. I get that, but you know, you're probably looking at more like best case scenarios, like Devonte Parker, or, you know, that's all. I feel like I say Devonte Parker's name so many times on this podcast. Cause you do. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I write, I write it a lot. But I think part of the problem too, is that like, I have this weird affinity for Devonte Parker for no reason. You know, it's like, well, it's, it's a lot of the stuff we just talked about that. Like, Oh, yeah. six, six, three, six, four, 210 plus pounds yeah. that can, can run. Make he can stupid, jump. Yep. Yeah, can run, it could jump and make stupid contested catches. Those guys always get overrated, but I think Parker, <laughs> not just by you, but like yeah. I said, by a lot of people. So people get enamored with that type, but it is really tough to run a functional NFL passing offense through a guys like that that don't separate at high levels. And Parker, I think, I always talk about him because he's the prototypical X receiver who doesn't get a lot of separation. And that's why I think he kind of makes for like a real median comparison on like the X receiver axis, right? Like there's guys down Mm -hmm. in the DJ Chark, Terrace Marshall bucket down here, but then like the, yeah, the average starting level is probably like Devonte Parker. Um, I also would throw Yeah. I think he's somewhere on that bucket too, of like, he's around that Devonte Parker level player probably has had some, I mean, I don't, I don't know, probably negligible in terms of who's had better peaks between those two players. But I threw out Kenny Galladay's name as well. Kenny Galladay became like a really solid separator, not a great, but like a solid level separator uh, towards the end of his Detroit time. And like, obviously, we know the wheels fell off in, in New York for one reason or another. Um, but yeah, Kenny Galladay is a guy who took some steps. So that that's like probably the best comparison for for someone like this. But um, yeah, I, I just don't really know how you can get around the fact that like George Pickens definitely shows an ability to separate on nines, posts, corners, out route, like, you know, those deep routes, but the high percentage base NFL routes, slants, curls, digs, it, there's not a lot of separation there. And I think that is concerning. Yeah. When you take a look at, uh, some of his, um, route percentages too, uh, it's interesting, right? Like he ran 30 almost 33% of his routes, one out of every three was a nine route. Right? That's nuts. Uh, that's crazy, right? Uh, that That's not, I don't know, that's not very nuanced, you know what I mean? That's just like a, a guy who lines up outside and you just tell him to go. I, to me, that doesn't seem a great use of George Pickens's, you know, athletic profile and his ability. I can't believe they brought the OC back. It just, yeah, it's let's, just baffling to me. Let's I don't say that, that too, that, in addition to it, might not. It's just, I, if you've listened to this podcast at all since we started this bad boy, or shoot, listen to me on any other outlet. Yeah. You know, I'm not a fan of like Matt Canada's offense. And, no, you know, it's this, garbage. It's not great. Um, you know, and, and like, why? Oh, gee, I wonder why every receiver that plays in this offense has a low yards per target number or, you know, <laughs> yards per whatever the hell number, like low catch rate. I can, yeah. I can't imagine why that might be. Uh, probably because. <laughs> Thirty-two percent of his routes, like you said, thirty-two point four percent of George Pickens' routes were a nine route. Nineteen point five percent curl routes. Five point one percent comebacks. Like that, it's goes and goes in little hitches, goes in little hitches, and occasionally for a guy like Deontay, like stupid little screen routes that go nowhere. You know, so right. it's the route combinations are the number one reason I can't stand this offense, especially in a league that plays so much like zone coverage and cover two because. You're mm-hmm. just drawn dead against cover two when you're throwing go balls and you're throwing nothing but hitches because you're either going to get these guys coming back out of the zone and, and getting tackled immediately or right. you're getting a quarterback that, like, if you want to throw to that hitch on the outside, that's a tight, tight window that they're going to have to thread, which throws these guys into contested situations more often than not. George Pickens included. So I do think, like, 
it is a reasonable thing to say that they did not use Pickens to his best and most optimal sense from a vertical, like 32% of his routes go routes. That's stupid. That's going to, just like I said with Jahan Dotson, that's going to bring your success rate down, but that's not enough to excuse a, a fifth percentile success rate for zone. It's a Correct. slight, it's a slight explanation, but it's not enough to excuse it. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a, it certainly explains a lot of the man scores, right? Like when you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, success rate versus man, listen, the success rate versus man is going to be so much lower. And again, if you're new to RP and all that stuff, just let's just think about it conceptually, right? Like it's so hard to beat man coverage over the top in the NFL because the NFL literally is geared to stop that one particular play, right? Like they don't want you to hit them over the top, right? They, most defenses in the NFL nowadays, they're totally fine with you kind of just picking, uh, you know, doing these little, uh, you know, nuts and bolts type of routes underneath, right? Okay, fine. Uh, but again, when you're closer to the line of scrimmage, your success rates are going to be a lot higher versus man coverage because guys are playing off and, and they're just trying to prevent uh, deep balls over the top. Again, route percentages, though, Matt, uh, we're talking 47, uh, you know, 47 ish percent uh, were on deep passes, corner, nine and post. Um, and and the one thing that I would say is this. He did show a lot of promise. Uh, according to your success rate um, route tree on the corner nine and post, right? Yeah. So, you know, 85.7% success rate on the post. That is, that's impressive. That is mm-hmm. impressive. 64% success rate on the corner. That's impressive as well. So um, I think there's some, some optimism to be had there. Um, and again, can Kenny Pickett also step his game up in year two? Yeah, no, I think that's another thing when you're saying like, all right, well, you know, George Pickens would be better if they didn't run him on deep routes so much. It's like, but that's what he does best is is he's like a Correct. long strider with a lot of athleticism to to win down the field. Contested um, catch like God. Right. You know? Like he loves Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. For 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 the folks that want a good number, yeah, 34 30.4% of Pickens' sample targets were contested and he won as 78.6%, which I think that's is great. That's great. It's great. It's not as like crazy as some people might think, but you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I do think the ball skills are also slightly a little overrated with George Pickens. Like the media doesn't want you to know the government doesn't want you to know that he actually dropped more (laughs) passes than Deontay Johnson on a per target basis last. There you go. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, I think that I I do think that Pickens shows so much promise there from a vertical perspective. And yeah, you want, that's where you're going to use him best is a vertical down the field weapon. I mean, straight up, like I, I do think, he showed more potential as a short area route runner, as a prospect than he did as a rookie. So I do hmm. think like all hope is not lost. Um, it's also worth noting too, like his easily his most impressive and, and most important mark for playing the X receiver position, 70 point, 72.4% success rate versus press coverage. That's a 69th percentile mark. That's, that's really good. Like, you want him running against press man coverage on the outside uh, on vertical routes, even if it's a high degree of, degree of difficulty route, because that's what he's going to do best. So it, it's a little interesting there just from that perspective. But yeah, I think the Steelers offense is interesting this year. Um, despite the Matt Canada thing, like I think Pickett showed you that he could be like a solid, you know, maybe slightly above average starting quarterback. If he continues to develop, uh, I like yeah. what I saw from him towards the end of the year. I liked, I do like him playing off schedule. I think that's a nice difference between him and, and what Big Ben was offering for sure at the end of his career. Um, they made offensive line investments this year. Um, I like them bringing in Allen Robinson as like a big slot receiver to sort of transition him into the next phase of his career because obviously we know based on last year he can't play out at, at the X receiver position anymore. Right. So I think that's interesting. I think Calvin Austin is a guy to keep an eye on as a speed slot receiver, maybe if after missing his entire rookie year. And I do think Pickens is Pickens certainly shows that he can be at least a starting level X receiver. How far he goes down that axis remains to be seen. You know, is he going to get there stuck needs in that? There to be th- more. I mean, the bottom line is, Matt, there needs to be more situational awareness in terms of his zone coverage and and just beaten zone, period, straight yeah. up. Pure, period. I think the, 
I think the 65% success rate versus man, I think that's doable. That's fine. I mean, we're talking about guys like Amari Cooper in 2019, you know, Michael Thomas in 2022, uh, Brandon Cooks is in that sort of like area, right? So 65% for what he does, I think that's totally, totally fine. But again, if you look at the historical data, um, and by the way, historical data available to our, our, our sicko tier subscribers. But if you look at the historical data, which I find to be fascinating, it's really hard to find somebody that is that low in terms of a success rate versus zone coverage. And actually, I kind of sort of had to scroll down um, and we're looking more at like the 2020 Corey Davises of the world. Um, Kelvin Benjamin in 2014 has similar type numbers as an, as an X receiver too. So uh, these are not great players. 2020 Corey Davis, 2014 Kelvin Benjamin. These are not great players, folks. Okay. It's so well, that's the the Kelvin Benjamin thing, dude. That's for how about like Marvin Jones in 2015, 68.2% success rate versus zone. Josh Palmer, 68% success rate versus zone. Um, Marquise Lee, 67%. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, MVS in 2021, 69%. But like, what are we, what are we talking about here? Like, these are guys that have been, average starting X receivers at best, yep. right? Like they've given you a, yep. a couple of good years, but, and that's the only thing that I'm pushing back here with George Pickens is not that he's a bad player. Like Marvin Jones is not a bad player. Corey Davis is not a bad player uh, when they've been good. It's yep. just, there's they're not stars. They're not, they're not stars. Right. And I think if right. you look at George Pickens rookie year data, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but because like maybe he still was coming back from the ACL. I, I don't know. Right. But I do think, too. I do think that the, what you see from him on film is a little bit of sloppiness on the fundamentals is a okay. little bit of, is a little bit of um haphazard route running. Like he can just tighten these things up. Um, You know, I, I do worry a little bit that like midway through the year, he's like, pissed about the targets he's getting when he's got a fifth percentile success rate versus zone coverage. That bothers me a little bit, but um, yeah. yeah, dude, like I think yeah. we're, we're talking Sammy Watkins, another example, 2018, 68.8%. Like we're talking about guys that are, yeah, like maybe at best start average starting X receivers. But like, if I said, if I sat and told like many of these George Pickens truthers that like, Oh yeah, he's his best comparable is like Marvin Jones or Corey Davis. I guarantee you they're going to be pissed, but like, that's kind of sure. what his that's kind of what his rookie year showed us at least so far. Okay, so uh, again, obviously some room for improvement there too. So we'll see. I, you know, I, you bring up the injury. I think that's a good point. The quarterbacking, Matt Canada, all of these things contribute. You know, they they weren't winning games in the middle part of the season as well. They came on a little bit stronger in the in the back half of the season. But um, but boy, it, it's it's certainly interesting. I, I thought the Pickens one was the most interesting to me because again between the myth making and the highlights and, 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 and the Pickens truthers. I mean, people are just ready to anoint Pickens as the, the clear cut number one X receiver in Pittsburgh, the best receiver in Pittsburgh. And and they've completely and utterly just completely written off Deontay Johnson. It's like Deontay Johnson is a, you know, his day in the sun is gone and now it's George Pickens' time. And, uh, and obviously you haven't released a profile on Deontay Johnson, but I would be surprised. <laughs> I'd be surprised, Matt, if I saw that Deontay Johnson's numbers, you know, looked worse than what Pickens showed us on tape. Yeah. You can go ahead and take the over on 68%. Success <laughs> <rate or> so. <laughs> Correct. So anyways, I strongly encourage the folks to go to the website, receptionperception.com, read the profile and, and come to your own conclusions, man. I mean, the numbers are all right there. You know what I mean? If you don't agree, then Hey, more power to you. Um, and you could figure out and listen, it, it's a fluid game and like, you know, uh, so again, things can change. There's no doubt about that. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Um, all right, how about Drake London? This is a highly touted prospect, obviously out of USC. 72 catches on 117 targets, 61.5% catch rate, 866 yards, four touchdowns. All things considered, Matt, I thought he had a freaking great season in Atlanta last year. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy who, from like a targets per route run perspective, actually pops a lot, right? Because he um, just was out there getting the ball thrown his way. Uh, dude, I love Drake London, and and shout out to the the haters and losers who said uh, Drake London couldn't get separation uh, as a college <laughs> player. You know, uh, reception perception pushed back on that notion hard Ooh, from his prospect yeah. profile standpoint, and definitely. Right. You know, pushbacks pushes back on that a lot from his rookie year standpoint. You know, and and I think Drake London, not that he's flying under the radar necessarily because he was the eighth okay. overall pick. I think he, you know, right. he's very highly touted, but I think because of the offense that he plays in, we'll get to that. The offense that he plays in in Atlanta and the mega success of guys like Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson, who were like sort of back once Brees Hall got forth, it was like a back and forth race. Like who's going to be offensive rookie of the year. I think yeah. there's a, maybe a notion that Drake London is behind those guys from a talent perspective. And I, I, I totally disagree. Um, I think hmm. he's right there with them. And like, we just talked about a true blue X receiver in George Pickens. That's who Drake London is. And, you know, Drake London's a guy that people thought could be like a big slot or, you know, have sort of, position versatility along with Kyle Pitts. And I mean, maybe that can still be a thing he does like, cause he's, he's really good at some of those routes, but London as a rookie legit big boy X receiver lined up outside on 86% of his sample snaps was on the line for 85%. Um, you know, he, again, he's so fluid that I think he could offer some positional versatility as like a, a big slot player, but yeah, man, 72.3% success rate versus man, 81.6% success rate versus zone, 72.5% success rate versus press. Like those are numbers that are just like screaming good things from a rookie receiver perspective because we know we want receivers who can beat zone coverage at an 80 plus percent rate. Check. We know if like they're going to be outside receivers, we love to see over 70% success rate versus man. If they're going right. to be like a number one receiver, we love to see over 70% success rate versus press. Check, check check for drake london so um incredibly incredibly impressive rookie season um and yeah the way he wins on in breaking routes like slants digs posts you know what he does on curls flat routes like yeah he he looks like a legit future star receiver fantastic hands uh big time long strider that sneaks up on you after the catch like yeah i i right i i really think like the sky is kind of the limit for for drake london he's he's a really really good player Okay, so here's the thing. You take a look at his overall numbers, right? And you're saying to yourself, well, well, it was was pretty good. It wasn't great. 117 targets, you know, 72 catches. Uh, Again, uh, shy of 900 yards. He had 866 yards. Can I just bring this up, though? Um, Atlanta threw to wide receivers, um, the third lowest in the NFL. So the third fewest wide receiver targets in the NFL belong to Atlanta. Drake London took home 50 one percent of those wide receiver targets. <laughs> it's crazy. Now, again, you could say, well, they didn't have anybody else to throw to. And I get it. I, I totally understand that. But you got to understand that in the NFL, if you're an elite receiver, you're taking home around 40 percent of the team's total targets to wide receivers. Stefan Diggs was 41, 42 percent. Um, I just looked this up. Devonte Adams is somewhere in that ballpark too, right? So, um, for Drake London to take home fifty-one percent, I haven't run all the numbers, but he's got to be up there in terms of either one or two, uh, maybe three in terms of percentage of wide receiver targets taken home. Fifty-one percent, Matt. That tells you crazy. Um, how much better he was than every other receiving option that or receiver that they had in Atlanta. Um, and how much they trusted him from a quarterbacking standpoint to throw him the ball. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> look, it's not like a high bar to clear the be- other receivers. On it's it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> but it's, it's not, from a projection no. standpoint this year, by the way, it's not. It's still not a very high bar to clear. Like they added Matt Collins in the offseason. Oh, they have Scotty yeah, Miller. Know. You know, I mean, it's going to be a nothing. very, very highly concentrated offense between Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson. Like, I think it's a pretty mm-hmm. good, like, Bijan Robinson should be the odds on favorite to be the third most targeted player in that offense based on what, what they're going to do with him this year. But, and, and I think it's a good 
point to bring up that offense. Like a lot of London's per target and per, you know, stuff like that is going to look big because the the Falcons didn't really throw the ball last year, which immediately, if you want to get hyped about the Falcons, people will throw that right. But, you know, look at what they did. They played boomer ball offense last year. Marcus Mariota was the worst quarterback not named Zach Wilson in the NFL last year. <laughs> And maybe outside of Baker Mayfield, who, you know, like when he played with the Carolina Panthers. Um, And if you look at Arthur, like people hate Arthur Smith's offense. And I think it's very misguided because from a conceptual standpoint, like what he does off motion and play action and and play design stuff is really good. The way he get like, listen, I'm telling you, there were people hate Arthur Smith because like he's the reason that Kyle Pitts busted last year. That that man, you know, maybe I don't want to like get a beer with Arthur Smith because uh, maybe we, I don't think we would jive well together. I don't think Although so. I'm, no, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, he's he's probably more cantankerous than me, but I have my moments. Uh, okay, <laughs> but he's he's, def- <laughs> he's definitely more cantankerous than me. I'll tell you what, okay. I wouldn't be that cantankerous if I was like the heir to the FedEx portion. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> probably also wouldn't be coaching pro football, but that's another story. Um, right. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, anyways, if you look at like, <laughs> if you look at Arthur Smith's offense, like there were there were yeah. times where he was dialing like legit dialing up awesome downfield looks for Kyle Pitts and like Marcus Mariota's just you know b- skipping the ball to him. You know, it sure. Just, and if you a look at the drops here and there too, yeah, sure. And that stuff's just gonna happen. Like mm-hmm. you know, Drake London from a statistical perspective was awesome in the four games with Desmond Ritter. Who's to say that? Kyle Pitts wouldn't have been really, you wouldn't have gotten his career or his season back on track with Desmond Ritter. And if you just look at the passing volume stuff for, for Arthur Smith's offense, like throw it, let's throw out the Marcus Mariota games in 2019, yeah. Ryan Tannehill. Cause again, Marcus Mariota has played with Arthur Smith before, which makes the, the, <laughs> the remarriage all the more confusing, but yes. Ryan Tannehill, 2019, 27 pass attempts in, per game in his 10 starts. You know, Mariota was at 24, pass attempts per game last year ryan Tannehill in 2020 30.1 matt ryan this is what kills me about matt ryan like the, the criticism of arthur smith's offense and the boomer ball stuff we have another season to go off of here when with a real quarterback <laughs> matt ryan 33 pass attempts per game yeah. for matt yeah. ryan in 2021 right. And even right. Desmond Ritter, it jumped up from 24 with Marcus Mariota. It's 28.8 percent with or 20 28.8 per, per game with Desmond Ritter. So. I, yeah, like if there's a if Ritter is even like functional and he was functional, I guess to end last year. Like th- this offense is going to throw the ball more than people people expect this year. I, I would not anticipate to them to throw the ball the third fewest um, to wide receivers in in twenty. 20- no. 23. I, I I would hope not, you know, again, you mentioned the the quarterbacking change. Um, and just overall, it seems like there was a little bit more focus on the offense. Now, again, they bring in Bijan Robinson, you figure they're going to run it, but dude, th- hey, go, go turn on some Bijan Robinson t- tape, man. Like this guy could catch the ball, man. This guy yeah, is good man. at catching the ball. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised there. Plus, oh, by the way, they talked about Cordero Patterson moving back to wide receiver, doing some gadgety type stuff with him, uh, which I think, by the way, I, I'm excited about that. I, I'm mm-hmm. not, a, I'm, you know, I'm not as big a, a Cordero a CPAT guy as uh, Ian Hartitz, but, <laughs> but uh, nobody is. But, yeah, nobody is. But but I am excited about, you know, some of the, the, the more gadgety type stuff that I think Arthur Smith can draw up. We've seen him draw up gadgety type plays, man. So I, I think I think that could be uh, something that's very interesting there in Atlanta. Look, CPAT's obviously well, 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 well past his prime. I'm just saying, like, you know, the guy could still run, though, and run with some power and some heart, man. So um he's a he's a he's a weapon that i think atlanta can utilize they, they've still got uh, a good run game um obviously i think that's going to be the staple of what they get done there in atlanta but kyle pitts can he take a step forward drake london can he take a step forward um it's not going to be the most exciting offense in the world i don't think you or i are trying to try to say that at all but also won't be just this crazy weird you know 1980 style ground and pound like trying to hide the quarterback as much as they were to start the season last year so i think i think that is probably very fair to say i'll be interested to see i think drake london might be uh, you know, my my old school fans know about the March to 1100. I think Drake London's a, a clear March to 1100 guy. Like, oh. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get to 1100. Book it, baby. Book Drake it, baby. 
Yeah, dude, he checks, yards. checks all the boxes. I mean, every part of his profile, if you yeah. like, go read it on the site, like everything is good. Everything that you want from a like, number one receiver is good. Just a couple of comparisons from a success rate versus man perspective. Like I mentioned, um, Drake London was at 72.3% uh, in his rookie year. Here's just a couple other guys like early career Mike Evans, 70.3% success rate versus man in oh. 2016. Allen Robinson is a rookie, 71.7% in 2014. Michael Thomas, 72.1% in 2017. And that's still my favorite player comparison for for Michael mm. for Drake London is Michael Thomas because okay. the way these guys get open on what I like what I talk about, those in-breaking routes, slants, curls, digs, post routes. Like I think Michael Thomas will probably never have gotten a real answer on it because he got he started getting injured and then Drew Brees' arm fell off and he got, you know, the whole thing. Right. But like I think Michael Thomas could take the top off the defense maybe more than people thought. I think Drake London could do the same, but really where Drake London's gonna make most of his money is in the uh, those base in breaking routes. Yeah, um the 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 eighty eight point two percent success rate on the post is just that's eye opening to me. Sixty three percent success rate on the nine. Hello, that is uh that's impressive. But man, just 80% on the dig, 82% on the curl, 82% on the slant. This is this is everything that you want um from a from a wide receiver in terms of okay, again, I get it, all in breaking stuff, but that's great. I mean, again, short, intermediate, deep. The guy's winning at every level of the field. That's impressive. Yeah, I, I love him. I, I think he's going to be a really, really good player. Like he's, I love him as your candidate for March to 1100 because I think he's just the classic. Uh, he showed us he was good as a rookie. Second year is where it's all going to come together. Um, I definitely don't know how good Desmond Ritter is going to be, but I'm very confident he's going to be better than Marcus Mariota was last year. And that right. that's going to be good for the entire offense. Okay, so... In Kansas City, they move on from Juju Smith-Schuster, and you kind of figure maybe Kansas City's feeling confident about a young player in Sky Moore. Um, he profiles to me as like this, like you know, kind of rugged uh, slot receiver type. In 16 games, he only started three games, but in 16 games played, obviously did not get a ton of usage. 16 games played for Sky Moore, which surprised me. I didn't even know he played in 16 games. Uh, but only saw 33 targets and had 22 catches, a 66% catch rate uh, with 250 yards and zero touchdowns. So obviously not a huge impact um, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Why might there be hope, though, uh, for a guy in Sky Moore? Can I just – I want to start the segment by saying this. Watching Sky Moore play – um, I saw some real traits to me that indicate that I think this guy can absolutely flat out play, uh, especially inside. But what did the RP data uh, show you? Yeah, and Sky Moore, I think the biggest issue and the biggest kind of red flag from his rookie year is not just you mentioned the production, but it was the lack of playing time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he had zero games over 50% snaps and only seven games right. over 30% snaps. Like he was barely on the field last year. Um, but again, but I think Matt, that's, that's, that's typical for a rookie in an Andy Reid offense. Right. Did I, I think we talked about Sky Moore yep, probably when we, we talked did. about Rasheed Rice, right? And I, I think I made the point. Cause I know I wrote it in the profile, but dude, I can't remember shit that I'm saying at this point, but um, <laughs> right. I, I did, I make the analogy when we talked about sky more yes. about like, yeah, yeah. It's basically like moving to a different country, learning the language mm -hmm. and also learning to drive on the other side of the road. Like Correct. it's going from Western Michigan to Andy Reed's offense. That's how big of a jump that is. Okay. Um, and I think people for, forget that because yeah, sky Moore's uh, prospect, Reception perception data was really good, but he was playing at Western Michigan. Like, uh, you know, that was a right. a worthwhile piece of context that constantly got brought up last year, and it was a, a good point. And I think the Chiefs – and, like, Sky Moore has said something to this degree that basically that once he got to Kansas City, they were like, all right, well, we need to kind of build you back from the ground up to be, like, an NFL receiver in this offense. And, you know, I think the lack of playing time isn't as concerning when you look at a couple of different things. One, like you mentioned, I think Sky Moore's best role is as a slot flanker receiver. And they had a good veteran playing in that role last year. Like we know right. Juju Smith-Schuster is not a superstar. Reception Perception's always pointed that out, but he's not a bad player. And he was good no. for the Chiefs in that role last year. And yeah, he got banged up a couple times, but that doesn't immediately be like, all right, we're going to throw Sky Moore into that. Like, it's very possible that they looked at Sky Moore as like just purely a developmental player. And I think that's yep. pretty fair. 
But I would actually say when you look at some of the his alignment data from last year and some of the mm-hmm. per target stuff last year, they were actually kind of putting a lot on Sky Morse plate when he got on the field. And I think this is important. Um, he was targeted on 27.7% of his routes sampled for reception perception. That puts him in wow. the same company as names like Chris Olave and DJ Moore from last year. Wow. Um, and this is what I think is really interesting. Moore took 40% of his snaps from the slot last season in his reception perception sample, was in the backfield as like a pre-snap motion guy, 7.7%. He was outside on 52.3%, was off the line for 42.3%, and on the line for 57.7%. To break that down, basically what that means is they were having him learn and try all three receiver positions. Right. Like slot stuff, some gadgety stuff, flanker routes, X receiver routes, you know, I think that is interesting because it kind of shows they were sneaky. It really was like an on the job developmental campaign for Sky Moore mm-hmm. coming from that lower level. So, yeah, like it is a big jump, right? To have to learn the language, um, to, to learn how to drive on the other side of the road when moving to a foreign country. Um, like I said, with Sky Moore, but they were also sneakily being like, hey, we're also going to, you know, make you, I don't know, um, learn how to like learn the best restaurants to go to too. It was kind of putting a lot of on sky more so <laughs> makes sense. I don't know. I think that was the most important finding yeah. from his rookie RP profile was just that they had him doing a lot of stuff. And I, yeah, again, I think he profiles best as a X or as a, a flanker and a slot receiver, which again, they just had a guy leave that role in Juju Smith Schuster. Right. And it's funny. Like, did you see this Kadarius Tony? Like, article that was making the rounds this weekend i popped uh back up from my joshua tree retreat this weekend to to, to check in and i saw like this whole Kadarius tony thing going on it's like Kadarius tony's getting all the headlines but like in the same article like oh yeah the chiefs have big big hopes and plans for sky Moore as well as as Kadarius tony just kind of you know <laughs> the tony bros they'll never rest that's for sure can i just say this about the Kadarius tony sky Moore thing it's it's interesting to me because i know Kadarius tony gets all the headlines and and he you know he, he's just a I don't want to say he's a more interesting player, but he certainly has garnered more interest uh, than Sky Moore. He's he's the guy that sells papers. You know what I'm saying? In Kadarius Tony, um, and a weird dude too, by the way. Kadarius is a, is a interesting guy, uh, no doubt about it. But when I look at their two skill sets, and I, and I think about trying to run my offense through one or the other. Not that I would want to run my offense through Sky Moore, but Sky Moore is your right. much more traditional. NFL big boy wide receiver. Like this is a professional wide receiver. When I look at sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony, I know he's more elusive once he gets the ball in his hands, but the stuff that he does, how, how do you build a game plan around that? Right? Like that's tough. Like I think he does more gadgety type stuff and certainly more interesting with the ball in his hands after the catch. But can you really rely on Kadarius, Tony, to run a proper post route or to run a proper hitch or to run, you know what I'm saying? A deep over. Like, I don't know. I I think I, I certainly am not sure about that, but when I watch sky Moore play, I'm like, this guy can run the route tree. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what he's like with the ball in his hands afterwards, but he's got great hands. I mean, just snatch. He attacks the ball out of the air with, with aggressiveness, which I love. And I think he's just a professional wide receiver that, again, I'd love to see him play, you know, a uh, flanker slot full time. Totally. Uh, yeah. Kadarius Tony, like th- to answer your question, we haven't seen him be that player yet, like a reliable route runner. Like we've seen him be a really good gadget player. Um, mm-hmm. Like he had that one game against the Cowboys. Okay. But like, even then he's doing a lot of stuff out in space after the catch. That's what he does. Like, I think that's where he's going to be best long-term. Like, I think he's a natural placement for what the Chiefs just lost in Nicole Hardman, another guy that you're not going to run your offense through, but is going to give you no. some exciting moments. And he's certainly a more freaky, um, like he, Terry Tony truly has rare, rare ability in the open field. I think the way he moves sometimes, sometimes contributes to getting him hurt, but that's another topic for another time. But yeah, back, back on Sky Moore, like the slot receiver routes, 
the routes that Juju's always been good on. Dig route, 87.5%. Curl route, 78.3%. Slant route, 80.8%. Flat route, 88.3%. Success rates. Like, those are good slot receiver routes. I think the, that's where he's going to end up being that short to intermediate area of the field guy. Like, he's not going to burn you deep. He's not built that way. That's not going to be his stuff. But those base right. slot receiver routes can be really good. And again, the overall success rates... 68.5% success rate versus man. That's you know, right about just slightly above average. 70 to 8.9% success rate versus zone. Slightly above average. He saw press coverage on 20% of his routes and had a 73.1% success rate. Like that's his best mark. And, you know, again, it's probably not going to want him to do that at X receiver necessarily, but like in short spaces and down in the red zone situationally, when you have a guy seeing press man coverage in those situations, Sky Moore's got a pretty good release package there. So I don't know. You know, he was a guy who was compared to like Golden Tate a lot coming into the league. And mm-hmm. I kind of think that makes a lot of sense, right? Like size, um, strong run route running underneath those those routes that I mentioned. Um, also, I'd, I'd put this out there. You know, Golden Tate was like tough as nails in the contested game. Jesus and Christ, Sky yeah. Moore, just 13.9% of his targets were contested in his RP sample, but he won 80% of them. I think that's Hello. an interesting note for for Sky more too. So, yeah, I, I think there is definitely a sense of extreme pessimism out there for Sky Moore right now, both in like the NFL community and the fantasy community for sure, who were expecting a lot more things from Sky Moore as a rookie. But I think you can, you know, put up reasons why he wasn't a big part of the Chiefs offense as a rookie and why that might change this year. And even when you pull back Again, you look at who he was as just in isolation last year. I don't think it's nearly as bad as as you think. I mean, the not playing in and of itself is definitely – indi- it could be a negative indicator. It can be a negative indicator all on its own. But right. I think it's often taken too much as like – lately it's become like this death knell that if a guy doesn't play as a rookie, it's <laughs> over. And I don't think that's true, especially in this situation. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Tyreek Hill, of all people, who, I, by the way, is like – just. He's an alien, okay? Even Tyreek Hill, his rookie season with Kansas City, only started one game, okay? He saw six. He saw 83 targets versus 66 targets for um, Sky Moore. So, listen, rookies in Andy Reid's offense just don't do that well. Now, I get it. Uh, Tyreek Hill did have six touchdown grabs, which, you know, obviously he's a completely different stratosphere of a player. Yeah. And Sky Moore. I'm not trying to draw those parallels, but um, but there is a lot to be said about a rookie playing in this system. And oh, by the way, again, you mentioned it. You hit it right on the head, man. He had a very good veteran in front of him in Juju Smith-Schuster. And now a lot of those starts, obviously, I think all the starts actually came when Juju got hurt, um, which is fine. But I, I think I saw enough there, Matt where if I'm a Kansas City fan, I would actually be relatively excited um, about Sky Moore's development here in year number two. By the way, again, I, I hate to draw these comparisons to Tyreek Hill because they're just a completely different stratosphere of a player. Yeah. But yeah. between year one and year two, Tyreek goes from 600 yards to nearly 1,200 yards, right? He goes from 83 targets to 100 tar- 105 targets. So... um I think there is a, and again, just, just look at the room, look at the room in Kansas city. There is a lot uh, of runway for sky Moore to really take off in 2023. Now I'm talking about in real life and in fantasy, I think sky Moore has a real chance, um, to absolutely outperform, um, ADP. And I, I kind of sort of like the fact, um, that football Twitter is a little down on sky, man. That means you're going to, in fantasy football, you're going to be able to get him at a discount. I, I truly believe that by the way, yo, this dude's playing with Patrick freaking Mahomes. I think he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and Juju, like his season kind of, you know, look, here's, here's the deal. Like, I don't necessarily think that Sky Moore is definitely going to be like a number one receiver. Like, I don't think he profiles no. that way. I, you know, whatever. I Just like Juju is not a, a number one receiver, right? Like, but for what you ended up getting out of Juju last year, you know, the three touchdowns were low. But in 14, it's 16 games, uh, 14 starts, he had 933 yards. Like, he was he was good for the Chiefs last year. Um, Sky Moore might just be good for the Chiefs, even if he's not great, great in fantasy. But, yeah, definitely, like, 
if I'm in a dynasty league right now and I don't have Sky Moore on my team, which I actually have Sky Moore on on, a, okay, on my dynasty team, but um, <laughs> like, don't necessarily be like, all right, I'm going to trade for Sky Moore. But like, if you want to make one trade and like the person has Sky Moore, be like, ah, you know what? I'll, let's just I'll throw in, throw in Sky Moore, and I'll throw in like yeah. this third round rookie pick or something like that. Because I guarantee you, people are kind of down on him. So I don't know. I, I think he's yeah. an interesting guy to pursue right now. Um, and yeah, I, I hope he does stay kind of cheap from an ADP perspective, but. I think the Chiefs three receiver set this year will be um it'll it'll be, you know, MVS out there as the X receiver. I think Rasheed yep. Rice is the developmental X receiver behind him. I think uh Kadarius Tony will be kind of a flanker slot gadget guy, and I think um yep. Sky Moore will be a slot flanker guy. And, and really all these guys oh, by the way, all these guys are just battling for second. A, perhaps distant second behind Travis Kelsey in <laughs> the target Kelsey order. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, oh, yeah, I didn't mention. Oh, did, did I mention that they've got this guy named Travis Kelsey on that yeah. offense? It's going to be soaking up most of the targets. Yeah. No, listen, um, obviously that's going to be the case, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think there is a long runway uh, for Sky Moore to, to really have a, a nice year. Number two, now 250 yards in year number one, that does not sound exciting at all, but I, I do think uh, that Sky Moore has a chance to absolutely surprise. Listen, I'm not saying he might not even get to a thousand yards, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did get to like 900, 950 yards uh, yep. next year, handful of touchdowns and, and really make some splash plays uh, that people are going to be surprised by anyways. Okay. Um, are you guys following Matt Harmon on social media? Are you guys following reception perception on social media? Um, we post a lot of these clips. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, we, we simulcast this thing. We, we videotape it and uh, we give it to our great editors and our editors put it all together. Uh, and, and so if you miss the podcast, go follow Matt on his YouTube page where a lot of the more interesting conversation points uh, will live there. So, and again, I think our editors are doing great man, stuff. They're just doing a bang up job uh, putting these pieces together. So again, go find Matt Harmon. Uh, Matt Harmon, BYB, on YouTube uh, and on Twitter as well. But uh, but certainly try to find him uh, on the social media side, and uh, and we'll be off and running, man. Uh, again, uh, we're just look, Matt. Speak on it a little bit. Tell the people because, man, I, I tell you what, you are really really pumping out a lot of content this off season. Oh my god, yeah. Um, luckily, I don't have anything else going on in my life. I can focus <laughs> all on content. <laughs> I know. God. Oh, you're not just prepping for a cross country move or anything. You didn't just buy your first house or anything. Yeah, it's all nothing good. else. Nothing else going on. Luckily, pretty, pretty wide open in terms of that perspective. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Christ. focus all on content. But yeah, man, I mean, Ugh. look, like you said, the second year receivers just went up on the site. Definitely. This yep. is a great time to subscribe to reception perception. We are for pumping sure. out a lot of more of these video clips. Hopefully so people will find reception perception and, and, and subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to the site. Um, and, but it is funny. Like, yeah, I, I love these second year receivers, but you know, James, I already today pulled up the, the charting tracker for the next group, which will be coming oh, yeah. out on June 5th. You know, that's the oh, baby. priority young guys, the year three to four players, um, you know, Hey, pretty good names in there too. Jamar Chase, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Br our guy Brandon Ayuk <laughs> about to bust out the RP charts here. So, yeah, I mean, never a dull time. Never a dull no. time, that's for sure. All right, receptionperception.com. Go find Matt Harmon on YouTube and on Instagram and Twitter as well. Uh, I am James Coe, but for Matt Harmon, we say peace out. We're out of time. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>